The scripture comes from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned? Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we may no longer suffer disgrace. I told them that the hand of my God had been gracious upon me, and also the words that the king had spoken to me. Then they said, Let us start building. So they committed themselves to the common good. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiath the Ammonite official and Gresham the Arab heard of it, they mocked and ridiculed us, saying, What is this that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, The God of heaven is the one who will give us success, and we his servants are going to start building, but you have no share or claim or historic right in Jerusalem. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. Good morning. My name is Tony Jones and I'm the executive director at Camp Simitonga. And let me just say what a blessing it is to be with each of you today here worshiping at this wonderful church. Uh, for those that are online, I, I encourage you to come be a part of this congregation, whether it's the 830 service, the nine o'clock service, 11, equally all offer something incredible for you and your family and ministry. If, if architectural will get you uh, a, a visit in the kingdom of God, this place will do it, right? <laughs> so we're, we're grateful for wonderful buildings, but we're grateful for each of you. So uh, God bless you and thank you. Greetings from our holy and sacred ground of Camp Sumatanga. It's a pleasure to be here. I was slated to be introduced at Trinity United Methodist Church in Homewood, and, and at that time Brian Erickson was leading a worship service with a sermon series on Nehemiah. And, and I'd had a hard time at that point having this uh, articulated that I, the feelings that I was having. I, I was having a hard time putting into words all the emotions that I was having being the new executive director at Camp Sumatanga. And, and he shared some scripture, and it's the scripture that you heard today. And, and it comes from Nehemiah chapter 2. And it was everything that I was feeling. As a camp director, everything that was going on in my life. And so I, I was able then to formulate what God was impressing on my heart and what I now will share with you today. Before I get into that, let me just say that I do feel connected to Alabaster. Um, whenever I decided not to go play football out of high school and turned down a couple of scholarships, I wanted to learn a trade and and I got a job with a with a company called Allied Products. And I'm not sure if anyone's heard of that, but they had a, a lime plant in Montevallo. And so for me, living in Fultondale, 
driving from Fultondale to Montevallo every day and then back home again. Alabaster was kind of this place like, okay, I made it. You know, I'm almost there. <laughs> it was a good stopping point. When I was even younger, my family and I, before the interstate was finished, we would travel down 31, and it was like, we can't wait to get to Alabaster because Mama was going to buy something from Jack's to eat. <laughs> so, so Alabaster has a, a, dear, a dear place in my heart. Uh, not not only the connection as a youth and then as a young adult learning everything that there was about things I didn't know in the construction world or in the lime industry or 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 even in the in the cement division of that same company but I have a greater connection to Alabaster first uh, Terry and I have worked several Emmaus walks together and we talked about what a joy it is to be a part of that ministry that takes place at Camp Sumatanga and how much we long to be back in that ministry. Uh, Dale and I had the good fortune to travel. I, I was part of the Baltic Chrysalis number two that traveled to that region. And, and I told this story at the earlier service and I, I think it's worth telling again. Dale, Dale came in, uh, later than we had arrived at the seminary that we were staying in Estonia. And so it was probably 12 or 1 o'clock, but we all waited up on Dale. I mean, who wouldn't wait up on Dale, right? I thought that'd be funnier. They don't care to wait up on you, brother. <laughs> Guy in the back said, I'll be in bed. <laughs> so we were waiting up on Dale, and Dale, Dale arrived, and Dale, first thing he did, he said, well, let's, let's go to the sauna. I miss the sauna so much. Let's go to the sauna. So, so there were 10 or 11 of, of us in the sauna, and he was telling a story at that time of a book that he was writing and and he started at the beginning like most books he started and then the and then I guess he got into the first chapter and then he got into the second chapter and every time he was telling the story and a new character would be created he would he would use the ladle and he dipped more water on the rock you know and and, and so the, all this steam was created and so I don't know if it was about the 6th chapter or the 7th chapter that I was about ready to pass out but, but, but I, I didn't finish the book, right? Because I was like, man, I got to get out. You're killing me. Your tolerance for heat is a lot better than mine. So it was a wonderful time in ministry in the Baltic region and, uh, those wonderful memories that create so much. We also have another connection. Warner and Elaine, uh, great friends of, of the family, uh, have been incredible mentors and people we love dearly, members here. And so it's beautiful to almost feel like you're coming home. So thank you for your hospitality and your love. Um, it, it was kind of neat to share those stories and all the creations, uh, but but after I had gone through this working environment and, and, and a change in my life, I met my wonderful wife, and then we decided to raise our family in, in Aniana and make a name for ourselves. She became an educator. She's now assistant principal. And um, I, after working several years in the healthcare industry and in nuclear medicine, decided I felt this calling in my life. And so I went to seminary at Emory University. But, but one thing that I never quit feeling, even though I had changed occupations, I never quit feeling like there was this call on my life in ministry, in Sumatanga, and, and to uh, a place even like Alabaster First. So as I became a part of 
this wonderful ministry project. Fast forward to several church appointments later and millions of prayers and hundreds of weddings and, and I, what I joke to be a few pounds, but that's a lie, right? <laughs> we, we joked, uh, I, I, you put on that freshman 15 or freshman five, I put on that COVID 20, but, <laughs> but I'm still here. I'm still here. And, um, all of that led me up to this ability to maybe possibly, with God's help, lead Sumatanga into the, a healthy future. And it was, it was everything that I just described that gave me hope in that process. Now, I don't know if you think about, we, Shannon and I just laugh sometimes at looking back in our life and seeing how God has directed us on certain paths to take on certain roles and how God's never left us alone. God's always had our back. Even in the times where we thought they were difficult, even in the great joys of our life, God was directing our paths. God was pouring into us the hope that we needed to be at this position in our life at the helm of Camp Sumatonga. It was that same hope that was read in the story of Nehemiah. It's that same hope as this young girl built this wall of blocks and we were reminded of construction and how it starts from the ground up and then it has a good base and then it's, it's, that base is needed to sustain the rest of the wall. It's hope that Nehemiah felt as he felt God's love pouring into his calling. Now, I'm no Nehemiah, but I do share I do share in that story. And as I told you, I was sitting, listening to Brian preach that message that day and that scripture somehow articulated the pain and burden I was feeling. Nehemiah had a position of, of great hope. He was had a position of honor and privilege. He was the cupbearer to the king. Now, the cupbearer to the king is a big deal, right? You got a seat at the table. You're involved in all the decisions. When the banquet is held, you're there. And you're in, you're in the process of building a kingdom. And so he, he had strived all these years to reach this level. And now he had arrived and what had happened? His nation lay in ruins. His nation lay in ruins. And his heart hurt. Now I said, I'm no Nehemiah, but I, I'm here to tell you my heart hurt. I was at a church serving a, a church we'd gotten to a place where we had obtained, I thought, great spiritual health and we had, we had poured into one another and we had loved one another and, and it was a place where I, I thought, I thought that I could stay there for quite a long time. We were doing ministry side by side with good laity that was seeing the call placed on their heart to take greater leadership in the church. Financially, we were in great shape. It's the only church I served where there was no debt. No debt. So Corona, Corona hurt us a little bit, but no, it didn't because we had positioned ourselves to be in a good situation. It was a great appointment, let me say. And then like Nehemiah, I felt this call. Sumatanga laid in ruins. And so I, I felt God calling my heart to something different. Somebody reached out to me and said, I think you'd be a good candidate. Would you please apply to, for this position? And, and I prayed about it and, uh, and, and I thought, well, that'd be nice. But I'm looking at a position that had nine executive directors in 11 years. Somebody, can somebody say whoop, whoop? That's ugly, brother. And I don't know if you know this, but that's not a healthy consistency in any corporation. 
And that's not something they advocate. And so I thought, what was it, what sickness, what, what disease was it that caused that turnover at the leadership? And so I, I, I started asking questions and I started learning more. And, and, and so the, the trustees had all been changed and then they, they redid how they did business and they, they shrank the size of the board and, and, and then, and then they had a trustees that now had the vision and the mission of Sumatonga in place. And I thought maybe, just maybe this is something that can happen. And so I applied and, and after a pretty extensive interview, my name came up. And I had one of the individuals in this interview ask me this. He said, why on earth would you take this position? <laughs> and uh, my, first, my first thought was, man, I don't know. I must be sideways or something. I don't know. Yeah. You, you know, remember the Titans, uh, uh, Denzel Washington said, boy, you must be outside your mind. I must have been outside my mind. But like Nehemiah, my heart was hurting. My heart was hurting. So Nehemiah, when his heart was hurting, he went to the king. The king noticed that his burden was heavy and he looked at his heart and he said, son, what is the matter with you? Nehemiah said, my heart is bursting at the thought of my nation laying in ruins. And so he said, can I go, can I have time off to go rebuild the wall of my nation? Yeah, the wall provided security and safety, but it was a status as well. And he didn't want his nation to suffer anymore. And so he had the time off that he needed. And then he even went one step further because he went back to the king. And he said, can, can you give me a pass so that I may have safe travel? In other words, can you lighten the load of me getting there? Can you, can you give me a pass so that I may go to certain people and get provisions so that I may build the wall? And the king said, sure, here it is. You, you, I, I, I need you to be whole again. And so I left Athens, Alabama, and I come to Camp Sumatonga. I live at the foot of the cross, literally. I, I said that because there's a cross on the hill, and I live below the, below the cross. And it's a beautiful place. It's holy and sacred. So when the guy said, why on earth would you take this job? The only thing I could think was, do you remember the commercial with Coach Bryant? Do, do we have any Alabama fans in here? All right, Three. Four, five, six. There you go. Come on up. Those online, everybody online, raise their hand. Coach Bryant did a commercial, and they asked him, how was it that you come to be the coach at Alabama? And he said, well, it's like this. He said, he said you remember when you were young and you were outside and you were playing with your friends in the neighborhood? And it was about dinner time, and so the, your mom would reach your head out the door and she would holler, right? Call your name. And he said, what did you do? You stopped what you were doing and you went home. And for, for Coach Bryant, being hired at Alabama was like mama calling, is what he said. And, and in a similar way, uh, my being at Sumatonga was like mama calling. Hey, look, I've spent some amazing times at Sumatonga. My home church is Lester Memorial, so we're, we're up the hill from Sumatonga. So I felt responsible was my answer that I gave this gentleman, I felt responsible to Sumatonga's success. I was 20 minutes away 
growing up. My, my children, two of my children were baptized there. All three were confirmed there. They had gone through a remember your baptism service there. They had their confirmation there. We had held youth events there. We'd been on all kinds of Emmaus walks there. Sumatonga means the world to me. All three of my daughters, I'm a father of three girls, all three of my daughters have worked there on staff during the summer. My middle daughter found her husband there. So when Sumatonga called, it's like mama calling you home. Now, I don't know if you know the story of Nehemiah deeply, but Nehemiah had some things he had to overcome. And in, in going back to his nation, he had to develop a plan. We've had to do the same thing at Sumatonga. It's 1,700 acres of woods, and the woods are constantly fighting back the buildings. There's 70 facility buildings that were wore out before COVID got here. There's a 55-acre lake. And by the way, if you like fishing, a gentleman caught a nine and a half pound bass about a month and a half ago. This young man woke up for the first time. You like that, didn't you, brother? Come on, get your pop to bring you fishing. It is a beautiful place. It's an amazing place. But it has some limitations. If I mentioned the word deferred maintenance, would you understand what I was saying? Too many years in a row they have kicked the maintenance down the road. If you kick a can down the road pretty soon, you got a lot of cans piled up. We got a lot of wore out buildings. I say all that to say I want to be transparent in the shape of the camp. It's not all perfect. It's a camp. But it can be with your help. Camp means the world. So we had to develop a plan. We had a bridge that had been condemned to go into pool camp so you couldn't get across Canoe Creek to get, to, to get up to pool camp where all the magic happens. So we had to build a bridge, $100,000. They estimated 200000 But then we, as, a, as the Lord would bless us, we found some concrete girders that had been turned down for a project in Georgia, and we were able to purchase them for half the price, 40 feet. So we bought the concrete girders, and now that $200,000 project was $100,000. And we had a donor that gave us that. Can I say amen? And then, not only was the, the construction of the bridge taking place simultaneously over in the lodge kitchen, we had a, a vent hood that had been condemned. The ancillary fire retardant system had, had been just completely outdated. And so somebody came in and said, we need a new vent hood, $83,000. I mean, it looks pretty, but $83,000 is, is a lot of money. Nina Reeves Foundation, through an interview and a grant proposal, gave us $76,000 so that we could help complete that project. It should be completed in a, about a week and a half. The bridge should be completed maybe by the middle of May, just in time for us to host your children and your grandchildren for summer camp. But there's other projects that take place. We had, it, we had to build a staff. I was two weeks being at Camp Sumatong. I've been there two weeks, and it was the coldest part of the year. And so I'm going down the road, and I hear an alarm. And I said, I didn't know we had alarms at Sumatonga. <laughs> my maintenance director quit. So it was just my wife and myself. 
So I didn't know anything about a sprinkler system, but the, the pressure dropped off this dry sprinkler system. And so it filled with water. And now the alarm's going off. So I'm trying to shut it off and I can't figure out what the, luckily I figured it out. It's amazing what you can figure out when an alarm's going off. We got that fixed. And so we enjoyed our rest of the day and we drained the line. And then, and then the next, that was the night that it got so cold. And the next day, uh, I'm, I'm, messing around with my children and, and I'm building a fire in a log cabin and I go to wash my hands and there's no water. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the camp is built on top of an aquifer. And so we, we have the water pumped up with a well. We have two, two well pumps. And, and so ADM monitors our water in. We're sampling it all the time. We pump it up to a 100,000 gallon tank and the tank then distributes water to the camp. So I pump water in. I, I have to deal with ADM then. And then while the water's at camp, it's beating us up. It's busting our pipes and busting our valves and killing all of our flappers and our commodes. That's not very sexy to talk about at a, in the pulpit at Alabaster First. I know y'all are used to a little more uh, articulation than that, but water's, uh, water's tough. Water's tough. And then when we send the water out to our treatment plant, then we deal with ADM again. It's like a mini city. It's like a mini city. So that night, the coldest night ever, I, I had no water and I, I started looking for the leaks and I couldn't find a leak and I went around behind Hutto. Everybody knows where Hutto is. So I go around behind Hutto and there was 75,000 gallons headed towards Canoe Creek oh, on the ground. The sprinkler system had burst. Water was everywhere. And so I'd been there, I'd been there maybe a month and a half. I thought they were going to fire me. I'd ruined two sprinkler systems. $14,000 repair. It's a wore out camp. But it's full of love and grace for each of you. It's a camp that means the world to us. See, the camp has this thing about passion. Passion can be a double-edged sword, right? It can... We can have passion to do something miraculous or we can have passion to do something not so miraculous. And so it's that passion that I want to tap in today. We needed staff while we were at camp and God's blessed us with a good food service director, with a good maintenance director. We've hired an amazing summer camp director. We've had the blessing of retaining our administrative assistant and reservation coordinator. God has blessed us. So I say that to say that every time we come up against a hurdle, God has opened the door for camp to survive. And I believe that. And I have that hope that Nehemiah has shared with us through this scripture. We had, we had electrical panels at our RV park and a church graciously donated money so that we can have those repaired. It was $7,500. And, and now our children walking through, I'm comforted. I'm comforted. And I'm, I'm an honor and privilege to say that they're not going to get in harm's way with a poor electrical system. This past weekend, this past week, Geraldine First United Methodist Church came and they decided to take over our boys' staff hut. They cleaned it out, cleaned it up, installed air conditioners, took all the beds out, going to buy new beds and new mattresses, and they're going to redo the kitchen. People like you, loving people that are passionate about camp. That's God opening up another door. There's so much more that needs to be done. 
There's so much more that needs to be done. But I, I want, as my role as executive director, to be honest and transparent, but also to tell you that we have great hope of what camp will be in the coming years. There's more to be done, but there's always going to be more that needs to be done. So when you heard that I was coming today, you probably said, well, he's going to ask for money. That's really why he's here. And no, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to ask for money. But I'm here to let you know that Camp Sumatonga is your camp. It's in your conference. And it'll survive because of you. I think it'll survive if you do three things. And this is the so what part of this message today. It'll survive if you are present at camp. I'm going to invite you to come to camp. If you don't have anything going on, if you don't have any programming that you're there to be involved with, just come to camp. Sit by our lake. Come at the evening at right at dusk and you'll hear the owls call you. During the day, the geese will fly over and let you know they're there. If you're lucky, you won't see a snake. You can watch the fish jump. The squirrels play. You can hear nature come alive. Just come to camp. Be present. Maybe just come and be quiet and hear God speak to your heart. It's funny how that happens. I was leaving the log cabin after about a month of being at camp, and I was reminded of how precious and sacred that place is. COVID was still in full force and we had basically shut our state down and, and the camps were still closed and the gates were put up to keep people out of the buildings because we had no staff to monitor and keep things safe. And so I almost made it back to the office and there was a little SUV parked in front of the entrance to the lodge. This elderly couple had taken a table come to camp for lunch, had two chairs, and they brought their sack lunch and was eating lunch at a gate, at an entrance, at a camp. That's how special this place is. It reminds me of that scripture as if I can just touch the fringe of his garment, it'll be enough to be healed. Come to camp. And see and feel all that it has to offer. The second thing I'm going to ask you to do is pray for us. Pray for both Shannon and I. And make sure that we're doing the things that we're called to do. Make sure that we are making decisions based on what the kingdom of God might can look like. Pray for our staff. Pray that we can get more staff. I, I preached at Coleman first last week. And as a result of preaching there, I had a, I, I hired another kitchen staff member by Tuesday of that same week. God is good. We need more staff. I need more maintenance. I need more kitchen staff. I need people that have a heart for ministry, not just for a job, but have a heart for ministry. Because I believe if we do, if we do this camp thing and we do it in a particular way, we make people feel at home through Christ-like hospitality, amazing food, and a cleanly place to lay their head, I think we're going to have something special. But I need your help to do that. 
I need you praying for us to make sure that we can accomplish that. The third thing I'm going to ask you to do is trust us. Trust me. Trust that camp is being guided in a proper way with the right mission and vision. Our mission at Camp Sumatonga is to have sacred encounters with God through nature and nurture. I can do that. We can provide that opportunity. We can provide a space so that God can touch one's heart in such a way that they're called into ministry or they're called into a relationship or they're called into a job opportunity. God is there willing to talk to your heart and it's done it for over the years with tons and tons of your youth. Pulling them into leadership. We had alumni weekend this past couple of weeks and one of the things that they kept sharing as they told story after story going around the table, 40 or 50 of our young adults that were then counselors and staff at, at camp, the thing that they said was the trust that someone gave me to be in charge of someone's spiritual growth was overwhelming and changed my life forever. The relationships gained at camp were unbelievable. So those three things that you can do, you can be present at camp, you can pray for camp, you can trust camp, you can do all of those things while sending your youth and your grandchildren to camp. See, without you, we're just a camp. We're ground in a place called Greasy Cove in Gallon, Alabama. Without your youth, we're just building and land. But we need you to be a part of the rebuilding that Nehemiah felt, that I felt, that camp needs. So here's the deal. Uh, if you've noticed in your bulletin, I had a title to this message and I haven't spoken about it one bit, but the title is, What Books Will You Author? And that seems like an odd title based on what I've said, but uh, this is why. I have favorite scripture. Uh, this scripture was scripture that meant the world to me at my time in seminary. When, whenever I, I left to go to Atlanta, Georgia for seminary, I, I was discerning all the books of the Bible and trying to understand scripture. And, and I had a little bit of a problem with only recording three years of Jesus' life. And, and then, and then having such an emphasis there and then it stopped the resurrection, right? And so certainly the book, uh, the, the Bibles of the book contain much more of that, but I thought there had to be more. And so John 21, 25, the, the, I'm sorry, the last gospel, the, the last verse in the gospel of John, and, and, and it reads like this. Jesus did many other things as well. And I suppose that everything that would, he did was written down. The world could not contain the books that would be written. Now think about it like this. This is what I did. I put it in perspective. So every time I do something in the name of Jesus, I'm writing a sentence or a paragraph in a book for the kingdom of God. So every time you, you, you show an act of kindness, every time you donate money, every time you call somebody when they're sick and check up on them and tell them I love you, every time you give somebody a ride to a doctor's appointment, every time you lift up the ministries of this church, every time you do something in the name of Jesus, you're writing a verse, a chapter, a book in the name of Jesus for the kingdom of God. So as I'm running over time and I, as you're wore out and your stomachs are growling, hear me say this, right? 
What books will you author in the name of Jesus Christ? Thank you for the blessing of allowing me to speak to you today. And I pray, I pray that you include Camp Simatonga as your presence, your prayers, and your trust. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Join me in this prayer. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the way that you speak to our hearts, whether it be John 21, 25, or whether it be the story of Nehemiah. Father, you've given us mentors in our life so that we can learn and gain knowledge of your will. We pray for Camp Sumatonga, Father, and for the ministries of this church. May they be forever connected. We pray for those online, and then may they feel the calling in their heart to be a part of this ministry called Sumatonga, the place of rest and vision that you created for us all. We pray for our summer camps ministries and those that are part of that minister and ministry, and may they, may they minister to our young people in such a way that gives them hope and guidance for a future. Father, I thank you for your love and your forgiveness. It's in your son's name I make this prayer. Amen. Amen.